0: Hey you guys, welcome back to Tomes of Terror. I know I haven't done one of these in a couple of weeks, but that's just because I got behind on my reading because of other things going on. So hopefully uh, I'll be able to get back to doing one of these a week like I was before. So this book right here, I have to admit that it was actually the title of this one that initially caught my attention. Uh, There was something kind of like vaguely mysterious and kind of like ominous about it, which I kind of liked. Um, I will also admit that it took me a while to get Get through this book, not entirely because of the way it was written, because I did, like I mentioned, have, you know, the holidays and other work responsibilities and things like that that kind of prevented me from reading as much as I would normally like or giving as much time to this book as I would have liked. But that was partially the reason. And I'm also going to make a statement right up front that if you're really not into slow burn horror, then this is probably not the book for you. This is one of the slowest slow burns I've ever read. And that's not necessarily a criticism. I'll kind of elaborate more on that thought uh, in a bit. And matter of fact, this book actually kind of reads more like a somber piece of literary fiction. Uh, for almost the entire 440, 450 pages, something like that um, until it goes kind of like full on, I guess like cosmic horror, sci-fi-ish, like toward the end. Now, prior to that, it's all build up with a very, very limited set of characters. Um, that eventually gets whittled down to our main protagonist and the main antagonist. How you feel about that is kind of up to you. Um, I was actually intrigued enough by the rather languidly unfolding mystery and also sympathetic enough with the main character that I stuck with it until the end. But other readers' mileage may vary. This seems like it got like really, 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 really great reviews or like people that were just like boring, couldn't finish it, like nothing happened, stuff like that. So I'm just like giving you a warning right out the gate. Like, if you don't like slow burn horror, then probably this isn't the book for you. So the author, Troy Aaron Ratliff, is uh, apparently an Ohio native, and he was evidently best known for his short stories prior to the release of this novel, which if I didn't mention it before, was called Do I Bother You at Night, and this came out in 2013. Uh, So this was his first full-length novel. In the notes at the end, he actually says that he got the idea for this story, like, back when he was 17, and he had grown up, I guess, like, on his his parents farm and he kept seeing like he I guess it made a big impression on him when he saw this like kind of eerie blue arc light like coming from his neighbor's barn like as the neighbor kids were like working on their motorbikes and stuff like that and he was like thinking how eerie it was like seeing that across the prairie or whatever and I will say that Ratliff's prose is very wordy but it's actually like really really evocative and his descriptions of like the characters and the settings and stuff like that really kind of like immersed me into the world uh because of its kind of like rural very small town vibe it it gave me kind of like a little bit of a whiff of maybe like thomas tryon's like like harvest home or something like that or maybe like a midwestern version of stephen king So at the beginning of the story, there's kind of like this really brief prologue, which seems to be a transcript of like an interview or something like that between two like military guys, I guess, like in a superior, like interviewing like an inferior officer or whatever. And they're kind of discussing obliquely the absconding of a third person and a dangerous device that he might have in his possession. So then we jump into the main narrative, which is actually set in 1986, uh, but occasionally jumps back in time to like the 1970s. So there are like a few flashbacks like peppered in here and there, but it mostly takes place in 1986. So the story focuses on a farmer named Sylvester Peterson, and he lives alone on just acres and acres of cornfields in a very, very rural part of Kansas. Um, he's in his late 30s, I think they say, and he's kind of something of a loner, uh, especially since the very horrific uh, suicide of his, you know, much beloved wife sometime before. Like, he gets up and he does his routine every day. He's working on his farm. He lives very, very quietly. Um, but you can tell, like, he's stoically grieving, you know what I mean? But he's not kind of one of those, like I said, he's a very, very stoic, like, Midwestern type of dude where they kind of, like, keep all of their emotions bottled up, like, on the inside. So you can seem like... You See that he's very much like that um he also seems like something of an introvert uh which you know i could totally relate to and also kind of like a creature of habit so this is established like pretty thoroughly like throughout the first segments of the book which basically kind of like just follows him throughout his days kind of delving into his thoughts and memories just like as he goes about his regular routine now pretty much the only social outlet i guess that sylvester has is occasionally having his best friend Dustin over um he comes over to like drink beers and watch the Kansas City Royals like whenever they're playing like on tv Dustin I think is like a little bit older than Sylvester like in his early 40s maybe and he's really into like horror movies and like weird x-files shit like conspiratorial stuff um but Sylvester is kind of like a more pragmatic no-nonsense down-to-earth type of guy but despite I mean but despite their differences though they have like a very solid friendship although it's like not very deep. Like I said, they don't really like share a lot of emotions or anything. It's mostly like, you know, kind of like a guy kind of friendship from the Midwest. You know what I'm saying? So the only other people that Sylvester sees with any frequency are Willie, who's like this kindly old man, who's kind of like a father figure to him. And he owns the general store. Like it's a general store and electronic store in town. And a guy named Ethan, who seems mostly okay until like partway during the story, he does something like really, really shitty uh, that causes Sylvester to pretty much like cut ties with him for the rest of the story and really the only other kind of major characters is Reggie and he's like kind of like a nice high school kid or he's like a college-bound kid who helps out on the farm in the summers. Now, since the death of his wife, um, you know, all of Sylvester's friends are a little bit worried about him because they think that he's kind of become a little bit reclusive, like more reclusive than normal. It's kind of implied that he was sort of like that before, but it's kind of gotten worse since his wife died. And as the story goes on, uh, they also start to suspect that he might be very slowly losing his marbles. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit. See, Sylvester lives pretty far out on the edge of this like tiny ass town. And his nearest neighbor is kind of like way across the cornfields, like where, cause it's all flat, like he can see it, but it's like pretty far away. You know what I mean? Maybe like a half mile or a mile or something like that, but he can still kind of see it. Now, the guy who used to live next door, which like I said, way the hell over there, was actually friends with Sylvester at one point. But the two men kind of at some point in the past, like before the events of the book, had a falling out about like property lines or something. And Sylvester just kind of like wrote him off. So he didn't even realize that the guy had moved away at some point like months and months ago. Very, very gradually though, it starts to become clear that somebody else has moved into the farmhouse, like across the way from Sylvester's. Really kind of the first inkling that something is different is that at first he kind of just sees and hears this very sleek, like newer Cadillac, periodically kind of roaring down this rural road where he lives. And like I said, nobody else lives down there. And he knows like all the cars out in this neck of the woods, and this is not one of them. And then on the very rare occasions that he ventures into town, like to get supplies or whatever, the all the other residents are just like asking about this new, very mysterious neighbor that Sylvester has. Now, Sylvester has not seen him at this point, like he's just seen his car every now and then. But apparently a lot of other folks have seen him, although all they can really tell him is that the dude looks like he's from the city, like he's not from around there. Uh, He kind of uh, occasionally smells like sulfur and sometimes buys kind of like strange electronic gadgets like from Willie's store. So at some stage, like the townsfolk learn that the guy's name is Calvin, but so far like Sylvester has actually like yet to see him, even though he's the one that lives closest to the guy. So eventually Sylvester starts getting a little bit irritated that every time he goes into town, like that's all that the residents seem to ask him about um, is, hey, have you seen that guy? Like what's his deal or whatever? And they're all like really incredulous when he tells them that he still hasn't seen him. But, you know, it's like Sylvester doesn't really have time for all of this gossipy bullshit. I mean, he just wants to kind of keep his head down and get on with his very simple life, which is also kind of like, like I said, very isolated and kind of empty in a way, but it seems like satisfactory to him. But then he has to admit that he's also starting to get a little bit curious as to what Calvin might be up to over there. Sylvester kind of starts to notice this blue glow, like emanating from the dude's barn, like from time to time. And even more alarmingly, uh, Sylvester sometimes sees something moving around in his cornfield, like out the windows at night and stuff like that. And he can't really like tell what it is. There are also these kind of strange, like perfectly round depressions in the earth, like of different sizes that sometimes manifest like at random spots, like in the cornfield. And also there's these kind of infrequent, but really, really terrifying, like screeching sounds that kind of like blare out of the corn that are like insectile sounding that he's never heard before. There's also kind of like this really thin, like kind of raggedy looking golden retriever who looks like a stray, but he just kind of like wanders into the rose from time to time. And he seems to be getting like fatter and fatter, like every time Sylvester sees him. Now at one stage, uh, you know, quite a ways into the book, Sylvester actually meets Calvin at Willie's store in town. And the man isn't like overtly bizarre or anything. Like he's not a monster or a vampire or nothing like that. But he is a little bit odd. And, you know, like I said, he's definitely, definitely not from around there. Now, after this encounter, which is not overtly sinister, but, like, a little bit weird, like the shit that the guy says, um, Sylvester starts getting more and more preoccupied with the guy, and he decides, as the story goes on, that he is absolutely going to find out what exactly that dude is doing, like, over at that farmhouse over there. But the thing about it is that, is the guy really up to, like, some weird nefarious shit, or is Sylvester just kind of, like, succumbing to paranoia or succumbing to his grief, which he hasn't really examined to any great extent, and maybe he's having, like, a mental breakdown, you know what I mean? So, as I mentioned, uh, Do I Bother You at Night is a very leisurely-paced story, like, to put it mildly. I'm gonna say, though, that, that it very much mirrors the very laconic, like, unhurried existence of Sylvester, like, the main protagonist. It's almost kind of like paced the same way that his life is, you know what I mean? Which I actually kind of liked. I liked that mirroring effect. So for the bulk of the novel, we're basically just going along with Sylvester as he, you know, just does, just lives his life. You know, he's just like puttering around the house or working around his farm, hanging out with Dustin or making kind of like grudging journeys into town to like stock up. And it's like thinking about how he doesn't really want to do it. Because like I said, he's really introverted. Now, as the intrigue surrounding Calvin, like his neighbor, kind of deepens more and more, were immersed more into Sylvester's head and his life's kind of slowly starts to become more isolated, more obsessive and all of his former contacts and friends kind of just like start falling by the wayside, like one by one. So in many ways, it's a very um, intimate, like a very inner directed tale, I guess. And I will say that it's actually a good thing that Sylvester is such a likable, Uh, character, like one that you really, really empathize with, because I'm not sure that the structure of the novel would have worked otherwise, like with a different kind of character that wasn't um, as likable as Sylvester is. Now, while there are occasional flashbacks to Sylvester's former happy life with his now deceased wife, and some of those flashbacks are actually from her point of view, because of like something that happened to her in the past, almost all of the narrative is seen through Sylvester's very limited point of view. So you're seeing everything from like his farmhouse as he's watching things unfold, like across the field. Now, I was actually quite enchanted with Sylvester's character and this enigma that's like developing across the field but I can also see how some readers might just find the whole thing like really boring because it does actually quite take quite a long time for anything substantial to happen, you know what I'm saying? The build up is actually like very, very subtle. Um, and it starts out with just seemingly insignificant, but like odd little details. And then those details are very, very slowly like kind of repeated or expanded upon, like they're getting worse and worse. And then the story just goes like balls to the wall, like in the last, I don't know, like 50 pages or something like that. Now I didn't mind this too much. Um, although one one slight criticism I would have liked, I think for the other handful of characters, uh, particularly Dustin and Willie, like both of whom I really liked, to have kind of, like, factored more into the sort of climax or, you know, into the final act. Um, as it was, I kind of felt like all the characters sort of, like, dissolved from the story, like, as Sylvester started closing himself away in his own house, like, just watching his neighbor all the time obsessively. Now, although this framework, the way that the novel is laid out, does kind of, like, match the mental state of, the, of Sylvester, obviously, I think I would have liked maybe just maybe like a short epilogue to kind of like mirror the prologue at the beginning that detailed the aftermath of this like monumental incident that took place at the end. I mean, I would have liked to see how the rest of the characters were affected by what happened, like in other words. So I have to say Ratliff's writing, um, it really does paint a picture in your mind. Like I could totally see Uh, These kind of waving, lonely rows of corn, like under this big dome of sky with all the stars and everything like that. And I could totally understand the kind of creepiness of that whole like placid you know norman rockwell like midwestern kind of setting being disrupted by these kind of like inexplicable like sinister doings like across the field you know what i mean so in that sense the story like really drew me in in spite of its very very languorous pace you know as far as it goes there were like a smattering of grammatical errors but i mean barely enough to mention i mean i've read ones that were like way way worse than this one i think it was maybe like four or five that i noticed it was like really not a big deal at all um and you know i'm gonna say on the whole this was actually very very well written although as i said it reads a like very very descriptive it reads more like literary fiction like very descriptive literary f- fiction and it's kind of like internal but it's still like straightforward it's not obtuse or anything like that or you know complicated for the sake of being complicated like you know it's easy to know what's going on but a lot of it is because the main character is so introverted, like a lot of it is kind of like his inner dialogue or his kind of like remembrances or things like that like as the thing is going on so it's more focused on that and less action oriented at least until like you get to the end so i mean if literary fiction like that isn't really your bag and you just want something that's kind of like fast-paced and exciting then this book is not it and you will probably not like it on the other hand um if you're kind of more into like maybe some more like understated or more like insidious type of horror that kind of just lures you in with this very appealing character and then slowly slowly like amps up the weird like over the course of a few hundred pages until just this big explosion of like what the fuckery like all at the end like at the, literally like in the last 50 pages or so then you might just dig this. Um, it did take me a while to get through like I said not entirely because of how it was written but partly um, but I'm actually di- glad that I did stick it out like until the end because I ended up like really enjoying it in the aggregate. So this is uh, if you have Kindle Unlimited this is available to read for free on there at least as of this recording so if it sounds like something that you would be into then uh, check it out. Or if you've read it, let me know what you thought about it in the comments. And that will do it for this Tomes of Terror. I'll see you guys again on the next one. Bye.